0: I love you tonight, and I praise you, and I thank you because you're here in this place, and we give you honor and praise. Amen. I also want to thank you for inviting uh, your family, friends, and neighbors, and your coworkers, or as Brother French suggested, your even your enemies. To our church anniversary services Your your enemies are the ones that probably <laughs> Need it the most Church anniversary services This Saturday And so we're reaching out This is not about um, Anything other than Reaching out to The community around us And just gives us another opportunity To uh, be a blessing To others Tonight at midnight We'll end Sister French and I's first five years in Georgia. When the clock strikes midnight, that will be the end of five years of service at Apostolic Tabernacle. 1,825 days. The the night of July 11th I received the call though I was in England eight hour time difference completing some work there and I received the word that you had asked us to be your pastor and uh, I had just received other exciting news that was I'd been working on for many years, it was very, very exciting. It was a miracle. But later that night, when the word came through in the dark room at the little university uh, uh, room that I had rented while I was there several weeks, um, I began to shout and praise God. In fact, I didn't get all the way to the room. I was talking in tongues. And have you ever seen those double-decker English uh, buses? And, and they're just like unbelievable. They look like they're going to tip over any minute. They were just going by, people everywhere, and I was just talking in tongues on the side of the road, walking back from the university. Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! The will of God is done. And so I want to thank you for that honor and Sister French and I have enjoyed every day in service to each of you. It's been the greatest joy. And I mean this is not taking away from any of the other wonderful things that we've been privileged to do. I, I never thought we would never I gave a thought that we'd be in Georgia. It never occurred that we'd <laughs> to me that we'd be in Georgia. And all the other wonderful things, things that I, I just thought. That was just the highlight of my life until the Lord brought us here. And so serving you and the kingdom of God in in this wonderful place. This was not our home. It had never been our home. But because of you, it quickly felt like home to us. Georgia, I mean, I just feel, people, someone asked me at the camp, First time in the five years that I've been here. Where where are you from? Because of my accent. Do I have an accent, Sister French? Well, I know I do. But I certainly don't have a southern accent. I have tried. And it, I just really don't want to do that. People say, well, why don't you talk? Okay, I can talk. Uh, I can't. Now, Brother French can imitate any any uh, kind of an accent he wants. I, can't, I don't know why I can't do it. I just, I can't do it. I did this, What I, how I sound's how I sound. But no matter what my accent may sound like, I am a true Georgian. Sister French and I are true Georgians, and we are so thankful for the opportunity to serve you. And we love and appreciate you. I know I don't say it as much as I should because I feel so at home. I, I don't feel insecure about it, and uh, nor should I. But I, I should say it more often. And I, before those uh, meetings, and we have our guests here. I, would, I want you to have heard that tonight. Tonight I'm preaching and doing something I have never done. I'm preaching a sermon that no one wants to hear, and I am preaching in a way that I have never preached, and so I know that it uh, is the will of God, otherwise I would not do it. My message is entitled, The Queen Who Refused to Do Nothing. And I would like you to stand and grab your Bibles. I'm going to read a verse of Scripture, and this is the first time I have ever done this in my life, I believe. If, if I've ever done it, then it's it's faded from my memory. I'm going to preach from the identical verse of Scripture that I preached the last time that I preached Sunday night in this pulpit. Therefore, I'm reading a text from the book of Esther chapter 4. Originally, I was, because I was so uncomfortable preaching from the same text that I was going to preach from Esther 5 and 2, I did feel strongly a message there (laughs) that would have been just enough different that I could have felt comfortable, but I'm... I realized that that was not the will of God. I want to talk to you about the way love overcomes evil. Does anybody believe that that is true, that love overcomes evil? If apostolics don't believe it, then, uh, you know, Jesus did ask one time, would there be, you know... When the Son of Man comes will there will there be faith on the earth? if apostolics do not believe it, I don't mean that we perfect it that we know all about I'm not claiming to have perfected it Lord help me Jesus in fact i'm i I feel something about what I'm going to say tonight that i i I know it is God I in some ways I wish like Queen Esther, if I can use that analogy and compare myself to to the queen, that I didn't have to do it, but I do. Now, we're reading chapter 4, verse 14, which the very end of verse 14 was my text, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Therefore, I'm not reading that tonight. That is not my text. I'm reading the rest of the verse. And uh, so we will begin at the beginning of verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. Everybody say praise the Lord. For if thou, Queen Esther... All together holdest thy peace at this time. Then, everybody say then, yeah. there's going to be a ramification. If you hold your peace, then shall there, and then it gets a little complicated. Let me skip down. There shall arise. Everybody say arise. Let's just pull that word out. Another Place. Are you able to follow me? Look at look at your Bible again. Is it up here? Okay. Look up here. Then that's even better. All right. Now look look at these words with me. If thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there and then it goes a, a little a few, down a few rivulets arise. Here, here's the flow of the of the Hebrew. Then. Shall there arise? See, I'm skipping a little bit bit there. Another place. How many knows that God is always able, no matter what the circumstance is? Does anybody believe tonight that God can do anything? God can do anything that's necessary. There will arise. And see, I'm, I'm leaving some phrases out on purpose. There shall arise. Another place of deliverance, of course. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. God has always got a place of deliverance. I'm talking to somebody tonight. But thou, here's the ramifications, and thy father's house shall be destroyed. The queen who refused to do nothing. Could you lay your Bible aside and could we pray for just a minute? I, I know you think this is going to be the all-nighter sermon. Hey, I've been here five years. I got till midnight before it's over. Maybe we could just do that tonight. But, uh, but I don't plan it, so don't get nervous. Could we just praise God for a moment here? Could we ask God to talk to our hearts? Heavenly Father, tonight. I pray that this tabernacle will be more than just a place to get together and feel goosebumps. I pray that it will be more than a place for us just to talk to one another as though we're just some little bump over here on the side of Clayton County. I pray, Lord, that you will minister to us. In a powerful way. And that we will in turn. Be able to minister. To this county. And to this city around us. I pray that Atlanta will feel. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray for our leaders. I pray God. That the glory of God will touch the king and the queen and all the way down. I ask God, I know the devil says it can't be done, but we believe, Lord, that you will help us if we simply will not hold our peace. And we give you praise for it. And everyone said in Jesus' name, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm looking back at verse 13. I know you've probably closed your Bible, but I want to, uh, I want to look at this text now that I've uh, made that caveat that uh, I've already preached from this text just a few days ago. And, uh, but I'm not even thinking about the same thought, the same message for such a time As this, that is its own message, and I've already preached that. But tonight I am speaking in light of a culture that is very, very close to the coming of Jesus. Let me look at verse 13 again. Of course, I did read this text last uh, Sunday night that I preached. Then Mordecai commanded. How many are going to help me preach tonight? Will you help me preach tonight? Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. In other words, uh, the, the way the King James words that it just simply means Mordecai made the command that you send this answer back to Esther because it was so urgent. And I feel that urgency tonight. And I'm going to um, summarize and without trying to be irreverent what it what uh, the, the summary of Mordecai's answer, the the uh, Haman was attempting was al- almost had it. In the bag, we say, from some parts of the country, almost had it to where the king, Ahasuerus of Persia, was going to have every Jewish, every Jew, I guess we could say that, every Hebrew, whichever you prefer, I don't think they care which word you use, That every Jewish individual in the kingdom, all 127, I know I preached that, all 127 provinces, they were going to be executed or deported and uh, they were going to be annihilated. Haman was so full of hate. And I want to tell you tonight, and I know I'm going to have a hard time preaching this, that we are living in a day where hatred is all around us. And we must recognize that Jesus, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are a part of his kingdom. We are not to be filled with hatred. And there is an answer to hatred. There is an answer to hatred. It doesn't mean that we are stupid and don't know what's going on. We know that this world is full of trouble. But hatred is not the answer to it. And Mordecai, I commanded to answer, Esther. And I'm going to summarize, I'm going to give it my own little twist. Listen, Esther, it's time for you to get your head out of the clouds. It's time for you to quit thinking that 30 years ago is today. This is a new day and a new hour. Or let me put it in another vernacular. What, Esther, is wrong with you? You think that you can do nothing and that everything's going to be just fine? Well, I've got news for you, honey. It doesn't work that way. In fact, the Bible, this was a revelation. I told you last week, I, I, <laughs> I'm tagging in the last, last message. But uh, this was a revelation to me, what Esther actually recognized. <laughs> oh, and perhaps, Lord, somebody tonight, because their pastors willing to preach the sermon that nobody wants to hear. Perhaps somebody will get a revelation tonight that this is the day for the kingdom. It's the day for the kingdom. Kingdom to shine yeah. praise God praise God praise God it's time for the kingdom to shine so now I continue with Mordecai's words think not with thyself think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house in other words this, we'll put it in my own vernacular Uh, because you live up there in the hoop de doo palace that you're going to get away with this. You're not going to get away with it. Just because you think you're a part of the king's home that you're going to escape. In fact, the opposite is true. We're all going to escape. Is that not what he said? God's got a place of escape. If it doesn't come through you, the only problem is you're right there. We'll get out of here. But you do not have a way of escape. You will be killed right there in the palace. You will not even get out of there because it isn't possible. If this goes through, and that was the revelation that came to the queen of Persia, that something was about to take place that Esther could not just set by and do nothing like it was easier to do nothing it just well okay but listen 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 uh, uncle or cousin he was an older cousin basically but but he he raised her i doubt he she called him uncle and uh i mean cousin uh listen uncle I, i i there's nothing i'm i just can't do anything about it you're asking too much of me and I feel like the devil often tries to bypass kingdom values and the will of God by making us think if we do nothing, that that is fine. I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I just did nothing. Now, I want to tell you, church. You can receive it or not. In just a few hours, my 1,835 days are up. And I have never preached a sermon from this pulpit that did not come from my heart and from anointing. And I believe it with all my heart. It is not an option for the church to do nothing. It is not the will of God. For the church to do nothing. God wants us to do something. Now, it's much easier to fear and say, well, if I do nothing, at least I'll probably escape with my life. Much easier. So the world goes without answers because the church is willing to do nothing. But there's royal blood in us, church. It is time for us to recognize God does not intend for us to do nothing. The Holy Ghost is setting the record straight in Esther. It's not the time for doing nothing. The temptation is to put our lives out of the fight. Let the pastor do that. And I want to tell you something. And I mean this. I mean this with my all my heart. If I could bear your load, I would gladly bear your load. If I could carry your burden, I would carry your burden. I have no problem... Loving my saints and loving you because I do love you. And I care about this church. But church, I want you to know something. There comes a time when not even the king and the queen can take over the responsibility of your God calling. There is no one that can do it for you. Now you're already figuring out where this message is going and that's fine i have no mystery there's no mystery whatsoever i'm simply using esther as the example of a kingdom-minded queen who refused everybody say refused she refused She refused it. She refused it. She could have easily. It would have cost her her life. It was foolish, but she almost did it. The Bible tells us that she actually thought that if she refused to do it, she would escape and somehow everything would work out. Church, I want to tell you something. There comes a time when the church has just got to say, I've been called." Me to do oh my goodness I don't know if I can Lord I don't know I don't know uh, we tape all this stuff it goes all over the place I have to be so careful I had <laughs> I can't have the things I want to say I, I can't say no <laughs> I had a little I, I can't say this. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say it but help me to be careful I had a family come up to me at the camp (laughs) and I don't like weeping, I don't want to weep in front of you, I try my, I'm weepy and I, it takes all my energies to not be overcome sometimes with the feeling and the emotion, but this family came up to me and said brother French, do you you don't know us but we listen to you every week, would you please sign our Bible, I've signed lots of Bibles all over the world. And I just love it. Sometimes I write real sloppy and you know, I love signing Bibles. He said, but our little, I'm telling too much now. Our little child. Listens to your preaching every week. We just turn it on the computer, and then we talk about it. And I thought, "Oh Lord, help us." And all I could think of was, what in the world did I do the last time? And this little little one, They wanted me to sign it to this little child. You know, church, we need to have our motives pure. I need to have my motives pure because people are depending on me. And I'm I'm trying to be led of the Holy Ghost. I've got some things I must say. I, I hope it doesn't take me long, but I'm... I must say it. I must say it. Before midnight tonight, I've got to say it. If you ever thought one time that my interest in being in this church, first Sunday, I checked it a while ago, first Sunday I was here, there were 85 in Sunday school. It was July, and so it was low. And we were new. They probably, whatever. Anyway, that was where we were and sometimes be up sometimes to be down I a couple times it was way down that summer and we said all right but if you ever thought one time went through your mind that that pastor is here because he's interested in what he's going to get out of the money or or the prestige or the position then I want to be very clear tonight that I'm here for no other reason at all. And I thank God my children have come with us. They could have gone other places, and they were other places. And I told Sister French when we first came, it'll be impossible to get our kids here. It's too, too far. It's East Coast. It's this and it's that. But God had a plan God knew what He was doing. He put it in their hearts. And and so that blesses us and it can bless the church at the same time. But our and my motivation, I can tell you right now, Sister French has one interest. The things of this world are not what interest us. What interests us is the power of God in people's lives and God getting a hold of somebody. At church, we are not done. We are not done. God has called us here. This is not the time for us to hold our peace. This is not a time for us to do nothing. It is not an option to me. Oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And if I say something and you don't understand it fully, try to evaluate it in in this light. The pastor is trying to clarify to us his motivations because i believe that we have not yet seen the mighty move that god longs to bring to apostolic tabernacle i believe that i know that someone i could say well uh, so many years ago and we could go back and reminisce and I'd, I'd love to do it. I, I, I have no problem looking back and honoring what's been done in the past. We're getting ready to, to do all of that in just a couple of days. And that's, that's the most important thing in my mind is, is giving honor to this church i thank god for this church but i want to tell you tonight if you think it's an option for us to get our eyes on the gold and the silver and what we have and who we think we are and whether or not we're educated or what kind of car we drive i'm driving the same car that i bought the day i drove to this church i'm still driving it I've never complained. I don't care if it drops off in the ocean somewhere because my desire is one thing. What is the will of God for souls? The kingdom of God doing something for the kingdom of God. Can we just clap our hands and thank the Lord? Praise God. So, Esther, you need to listen to your uncle. This is not the time for relaxing as though, oh, well, here we are. It's somebody else's problem. No. No. When young men are stopped on the streets, young dads are killed, whatever reason it may be, whatever problems we have in our culture, the church still has an enormous task ahead of it. In fact, the church should be leading the way. And so I can't win any popularity contest. I can't even... Uh, I can't even get the, you know, top five. Because no matter what anybody thinks of me, I still must preach and believe what Jesus said. Not what someone thinks or someone's personal racial uh, conviction. That is not what needs to be preached What needs to be preached is not my conviction or my thinking, but what did Jesus actually say? It's not the time for praying less. It's time for praying more. And if there's anything that this world needs today, it is a baptism of the love of God. Of almighty God. They listen. I know what we believe. I believe it from the top of my head. All the way down my tall. Personage. To the. That you're not supposed to laugh there. See you got to know when to laugh. And when not to laugh. All the way down my tall personage. Sister French right down to the bottom. And the soles. Of these shoes. This. Is a time for the church to show the world what love really is. Love is not getting my way. Love is not getting my political agenda across. I can have politics, we can talk uh, governments, and those things happen. I'm not against it. But I will tell you your first. Order of business is not getting your own way. The first order of business is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the will of God. You say that's, a, that's only some weakling talks like that. Well, that weakling you're talking about is your Savior. So, love isn't only a noun, it is a verb. That is to say, it is something that you do. Now, I know that this is not welcome. It is difficult for us. We want to shout and feel good and and, uh, all of that. It's easier to ignore what happens around us and say, let the government take care of it. And that's exactly what's wrong. See... Esther, here's here's the problem. That little scenario of let the king take care of it isn't possible. Because God isn't planning on moving only through a king. He plans to move through his people. So are you listening to me, Esther? Esther? It's time to start listening a little bit. I raised you. I put this in you. And I know you've been blessed and you got all the shoes lined up and and there's the dresses and everything is wonderful. But you must not let what God has done for you keep you from realizing your job is not yet done. You've got to decide if you're going to act out of love and save your people if possible. Or are you going to believe a total fabrication that doing nothing is an option? That's what Esther was faced with. Doing nothing, that's an option. And I'm telling you tonight, in the fear of God, under the anointing, I only have so many minutes to get this across, doing nothing, is a sin. It is so much a sin that in the type, and now I'm going to refer to it that way, in the symbol of Esther, who I know is a different time and different nation, Persia, all of that, I know that, I know that, I know that. I'm trying to tell you that if you think the action is to do nothing and you can get by with it, you're going to find out that will be your own death. Doing nothing will be your own demise. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I know. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you why I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the spirit of Esther here. I feel an Esther thought. I feel the Esther, the queen herself, that mentality that says, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, wait, 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 wait. Get Get all that out of here. Oh, no, get it out, get it out. Oh, no, what's wrong? Get that, I don't want to see any food. Get the food out of here. Yes, but this came from the lands of, uh, I don't care where it's from, get it out of my sight. I I don't want to see any more food. Get my maidens in here. Listen, what is it? I've just seen my error. Mordecai sent word and it came in like a megaphone to my senses i can't just sit here out of fear and do nothing while the world are marching in the streets of Atlanta and they're marching in the streets of Dallas and they're marching all over America and not just America. Folks, I want to tell you something. You know what that marching tells me? Somebody needs the church. What that marching tells me is somebody needs to hear a people that are filled with the love of God. So doing nothing is not an option. If you hold your peace, you do know that's just an ancient... Well, I mean, we still say it, but it's, it's an ancient. It was both the Greeks, the Latins, and the Hebrews, they all used the ancient... The whole ancient world used it. Hold your peace. Just another way you... you do you want a translation? A real, simple one? Or would you prefer not to get a translation? I know you don't want a translation. I just thought I'd ask. Um, Do you want a translation? All right. Um, uh, Just a real simple translation is, you know, hold your peace. Oh, here's just a simple translation. Shut your mouth. That's what that means in every language. To hold your peace means if you keep your mouth shut and just don't say anything, if I just hold my peace. Now, there's positive use of that, Brother Blish, there's a, how many of your kids are going to camp this week? And you're going to camp. Oh, hallelujah. And Jessica's on vacation. Hallelujah. So we know that the Bible has lots of times when it says, you know, if, you, know you hold your peace. That, that can be very positive. And that's not condemning the phrase. I'm just simply saying that it basically means if you keep your mouth shut. If you hold your peace and you don't say anything at a time when something ought to be said, even though somebody surely in the world is going to resent it, you are sealing your own fate by shutting your mouth. You are signing your own death warrant, someone has said. So let me use that expression. But the the purpose of God is that the enemy... That is, Haman wants the queen dead more than all the rest. So really, it wasn't just about whether the Jews were going to be killed. And and I've often wondered, how did Mordecai know? I mean, of course, faith. That's the only way he knew. There was no other option. Mordecai came to Esther and said, this is our only option. And then when she said, I may just keep my mouth shut, he said, that's not an option. Because you'll be the first one to die. The rest of us will be delivered. That had to be faith. There was no other option that Mordecai knew about. If he did, he never told us about it. And I want to tell you something else. This is a day when the devil hates holiness. He hates the name of Jesus. And he would love to destroy this truth, but he cannot do it if we will speak the truth. Not as long as you love it. The devil can't touch you when you speak his name. When you praise him, the devil can't get in. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it don't you see it's time for the church to do its greatest act and that is love somebody's soul when we love the people that god has put in our path Satan gets so mad he says, Come on, come on, hate him, hate him, come on, think of some smarter like thing to say. The devil wants you to sneer and wants you to think that you've been, oh, you didn't get all you should have got. So you're poor you, poor you, and in some way make you believe that loving is not as powerful as Jesus said that it is. And so it's time for the church to love souls. It's time. To love the truth. Does anybody believe that tonight? It's time for us to love the truth. Doing nothing... Not preaching it? What would you think of a preacher that would not say how you had to be baptized? you know how many times I get criticized for preaching that you must be buried in the name of Jesus? you know how many professors, how many university people that have said that is the most narrow-minded thing I have ever heard of? I went to a university one day. I stood in front of 40 professors at a university, and they asked me right to my face, do you believe we all need to be baptized? They were Christians. And the tears just, and someone asked me about it at this camp, that's just fresh on my mind, just started running down my face. And I said, I used to be a member of this church. I was not baptized in Jesus' name. I got baptized in Jesus' name. Actually, if it's essential for me to do it, I mean, unless you think that I'm a greater sinner than everybody else, if you think that, well, then you can work from there. But otherwise, if it's important for me, then it's important for you. Of course, you must be buried in the name of Jesus Christ. And we could debate it all day long. Oh, it doesn't matter. What of us said, but Talbot, you, you, you know Greek, you know Hebrew, you teach Hebrew, you know that. The Hebrew professor got up and said, uh, but what about this? And then I said, I understand that, I understand that. We can debate it. We can talk about different ways people think. But in the end, I'm telling you right now, and tears just running down my face, I'm telling you right now, they wanted to know why the Jesus name church was growing faster than my former denomination. And I had proof we were looking at, it, I had it up there on the big old screen and we were showing the rates of the two groups. They're the largest Pentecostal church in the world and we're the fastest growing Pentecostal church in the world because we are preaching the name of Jesus Christ and we are unashamed of it. So it's not a time for us to do nothing. Neither is it an option. And Esther finally received that revelation and she called to fast right there in the palace of shushan and i mean she told her maids not a bite not a drop of water and i expect all of you she said every one of you it's a sad day when the pastor can ask a church to fast and pray and people that are supposed to be holy ghost filled would say i'm far too busy to fast or pray when all you were asked to do was maybe at least one glass of something and one little bit of time during the day. Now, of course, this church is going to fast and pray. But I want to tell you something, folks. This is not a time for us to be thinking the devil's got the upper hand. The devil is not more powerful than prayer. There's no hatred that is more powerful than prayer. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody in Persia. The queen said, every one of you Jewish people, I expect you. I'm saying it on purpose because I've just called to fast myself. It had zero to do with this message. The Lord had already dealt with me about this before I decided to preach from the same text. I expect all of you, even these here, all my maids, who by the way... You just think of it, the inner circle of the king. You think they were accustomed to not eating for three days without a drop of water? Even now, I know apostolics that, that have a real struggle with going three days without a drop of water. A couple really tall apostolics that I know really struggle with that. And sometimes one of them, a great preacher I know, well, he's really not that great, but he, he is a preacher. When He smells grits. In fact, all he has to do is call a fast. Let me tell you what he does. It's pitiful. He calls a fast, and then he says, give me a little extra of that. Because he knows in the morning, uh, give me twice of that, and how, what kind of how many different desserts do we have? Well, we have ice cream. Okay, I'll take ice cream. And what else? Pitiful to call a fast right in the inner circle of the king and believe that her faith was going to make a difference, that her love for those people that God has placed in her world was going to make a difference. Here's a queen who's received a revelation i've got to act out of love doing nothing will not work that will result in my own demise even if others escape i will lose my own life and perhaps all the jews will as well nobody knew what the final picture that would make that's because the devil's lies are always a trap when the devil tells you it doesn't matter that preacher you know who cares the devil's always setting a trap. It's like the cheese in the in the uh you know do, do we ever use cheese in a mouse trap? Whatever you put in it. The last thing we told us they told us to use was peanut butter. And Sister French loves peanut butter she didn't want to share it with the uh the the trap but I was able to sneak in there and get a little bit. And, and these new traps they got, they're, they're made on the moon, I'm telling you. And, you, and you, you push this door open, and then it cuts your finger off. I mean, literally. You know What happened to the old kind where the, the mouse gets, you know what I mean. Children, I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. It's what the devil does. Puts that cheese on the trap, and he thinks that you're stupid enough to think that that cheese is free. The devil is a liar. And the minute he's told our culture that nothing matters, holiness doesn't matter, God doesn't matter, love doesn't matter. I tell you what, here's what we need to tell the devil. Take your cheese and go back to the Hades where you came from. I'm trying to stay uh, I, I, I I caught my, I know I I said that right. Devil, you get your cheese. If you think we're stupid and we are filled with hate and don't think there's consequences, whatever's inside of me, God, I want you to cleanse me. I want to be the child of God that you called me to be. I intend to do what you want. If I perish, I perish. Whatever God wants of me, I'm going to do it. My favorite, 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 sermon of Dr. King. I grabbed it the other day. I told the Lord I was weeping, praying for Atlanta, praying for the crowd that was up on the bridge. I forget the name of the bridge. You know me. I don't know Atlanta like I should, but... I was just weeping and I was swaying, and the devil kept saying, "Oh, you so, oh, you're so stupid. You, you think you're a little prayer." <laughs> I told Brother French, the devil should have never opened his big fat. Can I say that? I mean, that's not nice. <sighs> big, fat mouth. that's horrible. Lord, forgive me, I ever said that. I'm just really stirred. So you're getting off, devil, just a little bit tonight. You should have never opened your mouth and said that my little two-bit prayer was not going to make any difference. I begin to cry out to God. I I feel... (laughs) I heard the voice of the saints of this church. Not another church. I heard some of your voices. I've heard them before. And I could hear them. I heard them in the spirit. They begin to cry out. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost said to me, Don't you ever believe that lie of the devil when you pray... There's more power in a simple prayer than all the armies that have ever marched. There's not a devil in hell that can stand up to the simple prayer of a simple child of God. A queen in the kingdom has power with God. Come on, let's praise him one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I was reading Dr. King's My favorite sermon, I have several, but I read them every year. I have a whole gob of them, but I just want to remind myself how one black preacher changed the world. So I pulled my favorite sermon from Montgomery. The year he preached it, Sister French was seven months old. But my birthday is in November He preached it 10 days. Now, I may have a PhD, but I was not listening to Dr. King when I was two years old and taking notes. I just know it because in later years, I noted that he preached this sermon 10 days after my second birthday. And he entitled it Loving... Your enemies. I'm glad that a Baptist preacher. Could remind me. Of Jesus words. Because I love every Baptist. And every Catholic. And every Mormon. I love every person in the world. I love everybody. I love the sinner. I love the saint. So I have no problem hearing what they say. But sometimes it takes more than just hearing when the message is hard. I've often contemplated just how hard it was being raised in Arkansas and and, uh, seeing, and I'm 60, seeing what little bit I saw in those uh, as a young boy and uh, after math of Dr. King's assassination. So a black preacher in 1957 preached a sermon that has been perhaps one of the most, you know, I know Dr. Graham is famous, but I know of very few sermons that have had more of a reading and an impact than the sermon November 17th of 1957 in Montgomery, Alabama. Love your enemies. Of course, that's just a quote of Jesus. That's all that is. After the centuries of slavery and inequality and the lack of justice and the presence of horrific violence, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have made a conscious decision. To follow the words of Jesus. Don't think he wasn't. Ho, ho. The people that tried to convince him that was so foolish. Someone that had caused the air of an entire nation. and Was in the forefront. So much so that he ended up giving his life for that cause. If you don't think that he was pummeled with effort to try to get him to see how foolish it was to base an entire civil rights movement on the simple words of faith and of Jesus you you do not know history that in fact he said i resolve to follow the words of Jesus and believe his words now it's often been said i think it's interesting those who see king as following the the works of gandhi and of course Uh, Gandhi's interesting and he did change a nation and it's very, uh, to a certain point, of course, we know that King read Gandhi and we all have read Gandhi. Quite interesting and perhaps uh, one of the great minds of, of this last hundred years. But he did not say, I'm going to follow the words of Gandhi. He said, I am following that rather than retaliate and render evil for evil, and violence for violence i choose i resolve to listen to jesus the most famous quote from the sermon uh, that november was this darkness cannot so give me give me some time here let's lift our hands and praise the lord just i need another moment father tonight would you let the words of the spirit sink into our hearts tonight and Help us to be an answer to this dark world. In Jesus' name. Here is the most famous quote. Now, there, it's probably not fair to say it that way, but I think most uh, experts, if we might think of it that way, people who know King best, think of this as maybe his most famous quote. Now, I know that, you know. There's a couple others that are far more famous, but this, as far as a sermon, may be the most famous. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that, he said. And he, again, is following Jesus on this. That would have been sufficient if he had just said that, but he did not stop there. He left no room for misunderstanding. And so he is, in a a way, chastening all of those who would stop short of Jesus' meaning. He added this little addition. And I add, hate cannot drive out hate. It can never drive out hate. Are you listening to me tonight? You listen to me. You want to know why your marriage is failing? Because hate cannot drive out hate. You want to know why you're having trouble? If you've got hatred that's or some sort of bitterness, you need to turn to the words of the Bible. You need to start saying, wait a minute. You know what? If you could humble yourself and turn your life over to the, the God of the Bible, then all of a sudden something else comes along. He can't do it. Only love can do that, he said. I've always admired Dr. King for the fortitude to remain strong in his commitment to loving in the face of some of the most fierce hate ever known. And I believe that 2016, there are many of us who need to revisit this eternal truth that love is the most powerful force in the world you know and i know that people will say oh, oh I, I believe in the sermon on the mount but they really do not jesus preached in matthew 5 you have heard that it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but verse 39 but i say unto you and then he backs up from all of the other many many other statements and then he proceeds to detail how to let love guide you in the midst of hate church i want to tell you something i'm for shouting these aisles i'm for running up and down praying people through wiping your eyes and not your glasses but wiping your eyes and and praising god and dancing and shouting and all the rest but when you're done you better be filled up And of course, it's not going to be and never has been easy. The crucial element in Jesus' words comes, and I'm in a way, I'm just sort of getting this from King, but it comes in a few moments into, his, into the Sermon on the Mount. Let me quote one of the verses here, and I'm, I'm almost done. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. That's verse 43. But, Jesus said, and he's setting all of us and them up in the word of God to receive a divine revelation directly from heaven that has changed this world And change the church forever. Now there are a lot of folks claiming that the church—they're not the church. How many know there's folks that think they're the church? They're not the church. They're not filled the Holy Ghost. They're not the church. They're preaching something not even in the Bible. That's their business, but it's not in the Bible. They're not the church that Jesus founded. He set us up with this direct revelation from heaven. Jesus said, "But I say unto you," verse forty-four, Matthew five, Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Dr. King noted, many persons have argued, I'm quoting him, that this is an extremely difficult command. Yes, sir. I would just say, at the very least, maybe the hardest thing in the world to love people who hate you to love people that are spitting in your face, to love people that want you dead. In fact, a a pretty good piece of his sermon was about how to deal with it when we got a whole group of people that wished you were dead. How do you love them? thought That that was very interesting. I'm not going to quote that, but it's very interesting. Also, you should notice that the Civil Rights Movement was led by this basic tenet of Jesus. That is to say, he believed... A Baptist preacher. Someone said, Well, why not a Catholic priest or why not Gandhi? I don't know. But a Baptist preacher said, I don't know how to do this, but all all I know to do to override all of this hatred is just to do what Jesus said. We are not going to do violence for violence, we are going to love our enemies. Oh, thank you, Dr. King. Thank you for reminding me that Jesus is the mighty God. Many want to resort to violence, but this tenet was never discarded by the civil rights movement. Love your enemies. And in the end, the nation was changed forever. In a sense, this is what Lincoln died for, took a bullet in his face. Died that fateful morning the conviction that you had to love everybody you have to love everybody church you don't have to like this sermon but it is the truth you have to love everybody there's no such thing as hating someone and god doesn't care he cares when you love you are changing the world you are changing society And there is nothing more powerful than loving. Praise God. The conviction that you had to love everybody, not merely your own kind, your own color, or whatever else you want to be divided over. Someone said, Well, I'm just so angry. I'm just so upset. You know, and, and 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 you say, yes, of course. Yes, of course. There's plenty of room for being upset. But in the end, you better find a place to bury that anger in the blood of Jesus Christ. I tell you what, this world may go crazy and they may live like devils, but the church had better be an image of Jesus Christ. Every step we take... So tonight I judge both racial injustice and the senseless killing of an innocent black father. I have already wept my tears for innocent life. And I will do so again right at this altar and far beyond this altar. I will weep for souls. We wept for them before any recent injustice. We have cried out for God to bring his glory and save our, our world. Does anybody pray that God will send revival in our midst? We are praying for God to change lives. Love demands justice. Now I'm explaining How it can all fit together. If someone kills your father in the car and your baby watching, it will be a difficult day for anyone to make sense of it. Nobody can make sense of that. There is only one that can make sense of the hate and the irreverence and the injustice and that is the God that made us. He knows us. He knows our frame. He knows our mind. He knows how to keep us. And that justice does not come at the end of the barrel of a sniper's rifle. Love demands justice, but justice under the law. The same law of love applies to the lawless violence of killing uniform law enforcement officers. I can only think of young men, one young man that had only just had a baby and had just signed on. And I think of a family that's going to wrestle with injustice because that's what sin is all about. But church, if anybody's going to show this world what love is, it's not going to be Hollywood. It's got to be a church that's filled with the Holy Ghost, that's hungry for God. And Lord God Almighty, let God be in the midst of the justice of the church that says we will love every soul and we will trust God. Someone said, well, why why do you preach hard? Because I love them. Oh, oh well you'd give me a you'd give me a candy bar if you really love me. No, no, no. No, no, no. You gotta eat your oatmeal. See, love can be tough. Love kept men and women marching in the streets and when people were spitting in their face, they kept their they kept their anger under control. Where'd that come from? That came from modeling themselves after the very words of Jesus. I will love my enemies. And God has called the church to this hour to love this generation. How many knows the greatest thing we could do is get as many into heaven as we can get there? I wonder if you could stand with me all across the building tonight. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray. In the face of the hatred of Haman, Esther made up her mind. She was not going to be dictated to by another man's hatred. She made up her mind. She would walk in and do everything that she could. And here's what she had to do. This is all she had to do. Otherwise she would be dead before she ever got out of the throne room. She walked in uninvited and if the king stretched his the Bible called it his gold scepter so I assume it was complete gold I don't know otherwise why would you call it that if he lowered it just enough to where she could come with her hand the Bible said she made her haste and she touched the top of the scepter and the king said why have you come? I don't really care what it is. (laughs) You're welcome. You listen to this. I am ready to give you up to half of my kingdom. The entire land of Persia. If that's what you need to take care of whatever it is. And she said, oh no. It's nothing like that. And he welcomed her in. And I feel like tonight that God is wanting to welcome us in to the presence of God. If we can just reach up and and touch it, touch the, the golden presence of God, we can make a difference in our world.